Hello and welcome to today's conversation with Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz. Today we're going to talk about how to parent in a crisis. So Dr. Schwartz, would you like to, first of all, for those people who haven't heard of you before, just give people a little bit of a background about who you are and, and, and maybe how we met. I am uh, uh, Jeffrey Schwartz. Uh, I have a medical doctor degree. I uh, am a psychiatrist. I've been a research psychiatrist at UCLA for over 35 years. And about 10, 12 years ago, I, I sort of transitioned from full-time psychiatry into now part-time psychiatry, part-time uh, business leadership. And Josie and I met uh, in the first decade of uh, this century in, uh, in Northern Italy. We met in Asolo, Italy at a, a neuroleadership conference, a term that uh, I basically coined with a, another uh, Australian named David Rock. And Josie and I met there about, uh, you know, 15 years ago or so, maybe even a little bit more than 15 years ago. So we've been doing this brain and leadership and business uh, management, coaching, et cetera, you know, for, for quite a while now. Hmm. And we also collaborated in a book that was released last year called The Wise Advocate, The Inner Voice of Strategic Leadership. And that may come up in today's conversation, but the, the purpose of this uh, dialogue is really to support um, and resource those of you out there who are dealing with parenting matters during this this very challenging time in the world. So what we know is that there is a lot of uncertainty. There are children required to be at home now. They can't go to school. Parents um, are also working from home. So that creates a bit of a challenge in having everybody in the one place at the same time with multiple agendas. So what are your thoughts on this, Jeff? Well, I'll, you know, it is the epitome of what you might call a dialectical kind of situation where, you know, there's, that basically comes from the word dialogue. And, you know, there are multiple perspectives um, and there are definitely, uh, you know, upsides and downsides to, you know, the being at home part. So I guess one of the points we want to stress today is don't forget the upside. I mean, the distractions you know, are, are real and, and having to get, you know, work done is real. I think, you know, most people I think would acknowledge that probably the, the, you know, the expectations are somewhat diminished for many people, I think, in terms of the working from home part and just the crisis and everybody being so stressed out. So what we call the wise advocate, which, you know, everything we do basically refers back to this inner guide, the loving inner guide called the wise advocate, who helps us balance and understand what the different factors and priorities and, and make appropriate weighings of, you know, what's more important and, and what's less important in any given uh, situation. So, I guess one of the points we want to make is that, yes, it's a very stressful situation. Right up front, let us say that we should keep clearly in mind that one of the most important positive aspects of what is going on in this crisis is that the disease virus, the COVID-19 
virus clearly seems to not cause danger for younger children. So a lot of these kinds of pandemics are not like that at all. And so before we say what could be worse than this, let's remember that. So I'm, I'm thinking that the, the value that we can add, Jeff, is, is how to uh, ease some of that stress and also to put things into perspective. I saw an article this morning that was published in the Wall Street Journal and it's titled, Mummy, I Like Coronavirus. And there's a line in there I'd like to quote um, the the subte subtext is busy professionals have an opportunity to reflect on what's really important. And the line that I was really looking at just before is, as anxiety and fear settle over the world, there's a silver lining to this pandemic. The coronavirus is making people reassess their priorities and values. What are your thoughts on that? That piece was written by a psychoanalyst in, in New York. Um, and, and one of the things that's interesting about it, just to reflect on, is there's not a single mature adult who did not immediately understand what that headline means, even mm -hmm. though your first association would be like, what a strange headline. So mm -hmm. here's a headline in the Wall Street Journal, Mommy, I Like Coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And yet, not a single mature adult did not understand what that article was going to be about. Mm. And, and that is a, a very important observation, I think. Um, it's a brilliant headline, actually. And just to elaborate again on sort of seeing the glass half full or maybe even slightly more than half full, as long as it doesn't go on too long, you know, I mean, obviously, we all want to have a job to go back to, and the effects of this on the economy are profound, and, but that's a subject for another day. When the subject is your, your role as a parent, mm -hmm. there's a definitely a bright side to this, and, and it's really important not to forget that. The children can have a, a lot of potential benefit by getting to spend more time with you than they may have in quite some time. Mm. And, and so, you know, this won't last forever. So let's, can't last forever. It can't last for very long, quite candidly. So let's, let's make the best of it and view this as an advantage. And, and to use a business term, let's leverage this advantage for our children. I mean, and it, and it's a really important thing. Yeah, it is definitely important. And it's easy to say. Sometimes, you know, having been a single mom for the last 12 years, I know how challenging it is at any time, um, let alone during this time, particular crisis, to challenge, you know, balance the priorities of work and, and children and life and, and everything else that we do when we, when we hold multiple roles in our family. However, it's a really good opportunity, I'm finding even, to stop and pause and think about why do we work so hard in the first place? What is it all for? Surely it's not all self-driven. Surely it's for you know, our children. And what is the experience that we actually give them of the life that we share with them? And one of the things that it goes on to say in that particular article is that perhaps what it's doing is also helping us to become more mindful as parents and less intense 
as professionals. Yes, absolutely. So one, one of the things that we do in our book, The Wise Advocate, um, and we use wise advocate very, very much as a proxy term for mindfulness. Mm. Uh, but the additional fact uh, that uh, the wise advocate has over, um, you know, current, you know, understandings of, of uh, mindfulness and, and, and candidly, even over, you know, very traditional understandings of mindfulness is, is, is that um, in common with those understandings of mindfulness, the wise advocate has a very strong observational uh, component. So, so there's a very much a clear-minded monitoring and, and um, focusing and, and being aware of our responses to our experience. Um, but the thing that, that we very consciously add to the wise advocate is, is this concept of you can have a narrative and create a narrative through dialogue with your wise advocate. And, and the two very key words for us that, that we add into the monitoring part are assessment and discernment. So we're making assessments and discernments about the experiences we have in inner dialogue with our inner loving guide. So um, with respect to, to the, the wise advocate, we, we say that most um, high functioning life, um, and in the book, it's specifically about business life, um, is, is either on, on the low ground or on the high ground. We absolutely like to say that the low ground isn't so low and the low ground is very necessary, but the high ground is where we really want to also absolutely make sure we have access to. Let's talk about, when we talk about low ground, Jeff, let's talk about what that actually is. So, so these, are, these are decisions that we make for expedience. So they're not necessarily the wisest decisions, <laughs> not necessarily taking in the longer term view. It's really just to deal with what the, the need solve is problems. right now. Solve, yeah, problems. solve problems. Like I need to finish this piece of work. Um, this child wants lunch made, you know, uh, you know, what, what should I do? You know, do I get mad because there's another demand on me when I've really got this priority in front of me for work? Or how do I get that discernment right? How do exactly. I reassess my priority in the moment and not just automatically sway to, you know, a pattern of behavior that I've been accustomed to and where I'm at work, I'm at work. Whereas now I'm at home and I'm, so I'm expected to be mum or dad and a professional as well. And there's a very delicate challenge in there. Right. And that's exactly where the wife advocate comes in. If, yeah. and, and, and so, of course, one of the things that we've been working on very recently is a new concept that goes to the next step beyond what's in the book called wise expedience, which means problem solving with a long-term view. So, and this could not be more relevant to parenting. Mm. I mean, as relevant as it is to business, it's even more relevant to parenting. So, so, so on the low ground, questions that get answered are what, you know, what do I want? What does the other person want? And how can we both get what we want? And how do we get to some version of win-win? I mean, um, and, and, you know, a lot of parenting does go on at, at that level. I mean, um, just like in business, it's necessary. Um, but there's also the high ground. And, and in, the, in the high ground, 
we are using what is called from neuroscience executive function. And executive function, which involves the very front part, the most uniquely human part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, it, it's involved with planning and decisions with long-term goals in mind. And again, as important as that is in business, it, it, and it's extremely important in business, it obviously also has a tremendous amount of relevance to parenting. And so Wise Expedient sits at the interface of the low ground and the high ground because, because yeah, I mean, especially with younger children, you know, obviously the younger you are, they are, the more that you have to take into account what their wants and, and, and immediate physical needs are. And then, and, and as they grow, then you're always kind of negotiating with them to get them to start thinking about long-term goals and, and how do you interface with them giving them some degree of what they want while never forgetting what's needed for long-term goals and plans. And finding that balance is, is what we call wise expedience in the integration of pragmatism and integrity. And, and um, these are concepts that we've come up with in terms of uh, business management skills and business leadership, but, but we believe that they have tremendous relevance to parenting and that, and that given the, the real opportunity for enhanced amounts of time in parenting for professional business people because of this uh, pandemic, <laughs> you can, we'll, we'll say you can, you can learn these skills with your children and then, take, and then take them into business in a couple of weeks from now when things are getting back to normal. This whole issue of, you know, yes, you have to get to win-win. Yes, you have to get to what does that person want? What do I want? You know, how are we going to, you, you know, find a, sub, a, a common ground of what's called subjective valuation? I mean, you know, what is valuable to the person, what is relevant to the person is, is subjective valuation. But always also remembering in that expedience, in that problem solving, um, in that getting to win-win, what are our long-term goals and, and, and how are we going to construct plans that keep us directed towards those long-term goals? And of course, every parent knows that that's a huge part of what you're trying to accomplish as a parent. And I think what this is also an invitation to, to do as a parent is to become much more conscious for, about our modeling, much more conscious about our impact on these younger people. And part of that requires us to become much more self-aware, much more aware about our inner narratives and how and what we're saying to ourselves, what meaning we're attributing to, you know, what we're perceiving perhaps as an interruption to something important that we're working on. And also to gain the capacity to deploy another part of what that executive brain does, which is emotional regulation. Absolutely. That's really right. I mean, emotional regulation is, is a hallmark part of executive function. It's often called, um, more specifically within a neuroscience term, um, inhibitory control, but in, inhibitory control on, in day-to-day -day living to a very significant degree. And, and, and there's also a lot of social neuroscience research that just flat out says this explicitly, mm -hmm. has a lot to do with emotional regulation. If the gateway is mindfulness, to start Absolutely. paying attention to, you know, think about what you're thinking about. 
you know, pay attention to what you're paying attention to do. And also, I think, Jeff, what would be really handy right now is to actually demonstrate and explain a little bit about that circuit breaker, that capacity to put the brakes on those emotions that might get triggered in a moment of pressure and how to ease that into a space of calmness so that we can then discern the right and best decision to make. Right. So we have a term that, that we ha have basically coined um, to, to make uh, mindfulness much more practical and user-friendly. And, you know, we remove all, you know, all in intimations of anything mystical around it. Um, and, and we call it applied mindfulness. And, and um, so here, and, and then another word, which we haven't mentioned yet, which is really one of the key words on the high ground is, is called mentalizing. And mentalizing is the act of thinking about what others are going to do and thinking about what others are thinking. So, so one of the main things that we do in our book, The Wife Advocate, is, is talk about how you want to integrate as a leader, as a parent, because a lot of what we're saying right now is that leadership skills and parenting skills have a lot in common. And, and, that, and that, that's a major thesis that we have is, and, and, and so let's frame it as parenting. So in parenting, I mean, you, you certainly need to be thinking about what the child wants, no question. It's just, it's obviously true. And, and, and it's true in business too, you know, what, what does the customer want? But, and the big but is when you get to the high ground perspective, you know, the, the more um, the strategic way of thinking is thinking about, well, what are they thinking and what's the relationship between what they're thinking and what they want? And, and if you want to change or make or have growth occur and, and have people change what they want, then you want to be thinking about what they're thinking, thinking about what they're going to do and then use that to very constructively engage them to begin to examine what they want. But here's the big part of real applied mindfulness. Now what you wanna do is do that process on yourself. So, so I like to say that one of the ways of framing mindfulness and the key to applied mindfulness is mentalizing about yourself, literally thinking, what am I thinking? You know, what am I intending to do? And then engage in dialogue and create narrative with your wise advocate to see how that relates to your long-term goals and how you can make plans that are consistent with your long-term goals within mm -hmm. that frame. So mentalizing about yourself is applied mindfulness. And we, I think that that has a huge amount to do. You do, if you do that, you will pretty close to automatically be, become a good role model. Hmm. And, 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 and when you model that behavior, you know, when you model that kind of way of assessing your own behavior internally, hmm. you know, then that, that will come through. At, you'll, 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 you'll be considered a, you know, a wise, judicious person who has good judgment and and makes plans that are consistent with long-term goals 
Now, for people who haven't heard about these concepts before, or it seems a bit mind-boggling, it really can be very, very simple. And for me, what I've, you know, over the years, having studied neuroscience, having, you know, had a lot of association with you and running online programs together and, and actually teaching people some of these things, the thing for me is that when I get triggered, it's as simple as noticing that I'm being triggered, being very sensitive and aware of the sensations in my body. And then before allowing myself to react is just taking a mindful breath and like really using that breath to recenter myself and to calm myself down so that I could put a bit of a space between what the triggered perception or narrative was for me versus how I want to best respond with the long run in view. Absolutely. So, and when mindful of breathing, you know, we did a prior presentation in which we, you know, did a breath awareness exercise, but the key point is um, awareness of the feeling of the breath as it enters and leaves the nostril, which doesn't have to be very intense if you're just doing it sort of in cross-sectional day-to-day in momentary living. You don't even have to close your eyes at all. You just... You breath, you know, you breathe in, and we go one, two, three, one, one, two, three, two, one, two, three, three, one, two, three, four. That's in breath, out breath, in breath, out breath. Two breaths, paying attention, takes a couple of seconds. You know, really helps you reorient. And then the other thing we have is the four steps. We, you, you, we put a label, the first two of which are relabel and reframe. When we're in a crisis like now, we can literally say, you know, this is the crisis. I mean, this is happening because of the crisis. Like, let's Mm. reframe Mm. and understand how the crisis is changing things so that we don't use our normal response mechanisms without examining them because we're in a different situation now. So even just using the relabel, this is a crisis can be extremely helpful for reframing and, and, and correcting what we call the deceptive brain messages that are coming in because we're not used to the situation and we're stressed out and, and just realizing that and, and finding a reasonable way to manage, create a narrative that helps us make sense of what's going on so that we can respond in a rational, calm way. Mm. And provided that narrative is adaptive, so yes, it is a crisis, but then we don't ruminate on the fact that it is a crisis and get into storytelling about it. What we want to say is something more along the lines of, this is not permanent, things will change, and I do have choices about how I respond to it now. And I think what would be really wonderful, uh, Jeff, if we actually ended this discussion with a practice an actual mindfulness practice that people can utilize immediately to help them ease that stress, that panic, that fear that might be coming up for them as they handle the necessary balance of parenting during this crisis. Okay, so let's spend a couple of minutes and that'll take us to it being a half hour and which is, I think, a good good user-friendly amount of time. So, so, um, so... Basically, you you sit in a chair, doesn't or you know, could be on a sofa, but kind of a chair is is, is good. I mean, sort of a firm chair, so that your feet can be f- flat on the ground, and then you you can have your eyes open or 
closed or half open. I mean, actually, um, they're all good. I mean, so so whatever is best for you, do that in terms of eyes open, half open, closed, whichever is the most comfortable. But then the key is you want to be aware of this physical feeling caused by the movement of air when you breathe in and breathe out. And that's what this count that I mentioned helps to accentuate by just elongating the breath a bit to accentuate the feeling as it comes in to make it more noticeable so that you can actually feel it and be aware of it and pay attention to it. So when you breathe in, one, two, three, one, and you feel that, you feel the air, right? You know, around the nostril, entering the nostril. It could be the rising and falling of the chest or abdomen. Nostril is the kind of the most traditional and, you know, I think most people find it an easy, very accessible way of paying attention to it. And then, and then when you breathe out, again, you feel the air coming by the nostril. One, two, three, two. So let's take a, a breath in, a breath out, and start counting in, two, three, one. Out breath, two, three, two. In breath, two, three, three. Out breath, two, three, four. And another cycle, in, three, one. One, two, three, two. One, two, three, three. One, two, three, four. Now let's take a two minutes of practice. So 30 seconds to go.
So that, that's, a, that's a mindful breathing exercise. And I'm sure most everyone noticed that even within that two minutes, the mind tends to wander. That's great. That, that's one of the things you learn right away is that when you're trying to maintain the awareness of attention on the breath, the mind wanders. But the big, big message is you can become aware when your mind has wandered and then just gently bring it back to the next breath and just start from the beginning. One, two, three, one. So it, it doesn't matter how many times the mind wanders as long as you're just working at keeping track and returning to the breath. And I would strongly advise setting a timer even for three minutes, which is basically what we just did and just try to practice until the timer goes off at three minutes or five minutes. But mm -hmm. short periods of time definitely matter. And when you set a timer, even setting apart that short an amount of time can really enhance your ability over time. And you'll see the effects in terms of it enhancing your ability to calm yourself down, pay attention, and be aware of where your thoughts are. Yeah, absolutely. And it also helps to sharpen focus. And it's an exercise I know that you've had your own personal practice for over three decades. I've only been um, meditating consistently since 2010. But it's the way I start my day, the way I end my day. And I have a lot of mindful breaths in between. And given what's going on in the world right now, you know, I'm about to start a, a one month free online mindfulness meditation series which I'll, I'll let people know about as well but whilst it looks like a very simple practice it, it kind of is it's just not easy to actually create that discipline of mind and it starts with discipline for yourself but encouragement is a big part of having that discipline so make sure you give yourself encouragement you know when you do it you can even keep a little diary even just a check mark that you, you know, spent three minutes today doing it, I would strongly encourage set the timer. That yeah. really makes, you know, three minutes you will have done it. And, and you don't have to worry about the time. Right. Right. And make sure you manage your environment so you won't be interrupted. Exactly. And you know, any minutes is better than zero minutes. You know, this is about consistency of practice it's not about length of time that's really true it's much mm. much much more about consistency of practice than mm. about length of time so the the context of this conversation was hopefully to resource you those of you that are parents who are parenting in a crisis and needing to balance your roles as professionals and parents to maintain perspective and to really reassess your priorities and your values at this time and hopefully take really good care of yourself by maintaining a regular practice of mindfulness and meditation in your days so we wish you all the very best i'll be posting all the notes in the podcast notes about all the things that we referenced today and uh, we wish you well you can't shine.